1: You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red. Matt Davis hosting as normal and we're here to discuss Steve Cooper's first game in charge and what happens next after the 1-1 draw with Millwall. Uh, joined today by uh, first of all Reds fan Mikey Clark returning to the show. Mikey, good morning, are you well? Morning Matt, yes I'm great, how are you? Uh, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. And uh, I think he's making his debut on the show, he says he is, I think he's been on <laughs> before. But, uh, joining us today is former Radio Nottingham presenter Robin Chipperfield. Chippers on the other side of the world, are you well?
2: Yes, I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. I'm sure it is the debut. I can't. I, I mean, my, I wouldn't forget appearing on YouTube or a podcast with you. So I'm. I'm pretty sure it's the. Well, I was going to say debut, or as they say over here, it's the big debut. Big debut, they do, don't the they? The yeah. debut.
1: Yes, true, true. Uh, how is it on the other side of the world? People will be interested to know how you're getting on.
2: Yeah, good. Yeah, really, uh, not regretted it so far. Um, there's, there's nothing apart from friends and family there's nothing I I would miss really um, you know it's uh, settled in really well always wanted to live here so uh, I've been here lots of times on holiday so it was there, there weren't too many surprises but uh, yeah no no regrets so far.
1: Do you miss match day? I mean I know you covered I saw you commentated on a test match which is obviously fantastic and you've been doing yeah. you know football over there um, but do you miss the, the, the buzz of match day in Nottingham or not?
2: I think I've got. I think I'd probably miss it more now um, than say the last eighteen months. You know, I've, I've watched a few, quite a few games, and it, it's just when there's nobody there, it, it's not the same. And it's um, you know, the Premier League. I found it incredibly dull last year. I I didn't care who won it. I didn't care who won games because it just it felt like watching reserve games on video. It was it was dreadful to watch. Um, so I kind of in that sense, I've not missed the last eighteen months. Um, I think it'd be different now with with um, with crowds being back. There being an atmosphere, and especially the last couple of weeks, where there's a, a bit more of a buzz about the city ground. From the impression I get, um, you know, a new kind of fresh start, new start. But look, I did it. I did it for 20 years, and you know, time to do something different, and you know, explore doing different things. So, I mean, to be fair, changing manager and feeling the you know having the feelings about a new manager is not something I've missed, you know. It's not. It's not been a big shock that Forest have changed their manager because I don't know how many I got through in 20 years, but it would be at least 20, I would think.
1: Well, yeah, you've got enough to talk about. And I know you're doing stuff on YouTube again now, so discussing your time in Nottingham. We'll talk about that at the end. We'll let you do your shameless plug. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's like been on the Graham Norton show, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, celebrities,
1: as you are, only come on these things to plug something they've got to sell. So, yeah, we'll do that later. Um, looking at the game, first of all, then, Mikey, it was Cooper's um, first game in charge. You were there. Just give us your overall verdict on, on the, the match. Was it
0: a fair result, do you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, fair result. Do, do you know what? I, I quite enjoyed it. I think um, what Chippers was just saying there around how football's been in the last sort of 18 months. I think I think this is the first game I've been to for about two years that I sort of genuinely enjoyed. And I don't know whether that was because, uh, you know, Cooper arriving, there's a bit more of an optimistic feel around the ground. And, and you did feel that even when we went 1-0 down. Um, I think 1-0 down. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, they would have got booed off. I didn't hear a single boo at half-time. I think that was because people were just intrigued just to see how we'd respond um, with a bit of new leadership. I think, in general, the game, I, I did enjoy it. It was exactly how I thought it would be. Um, I think the game before the first lockdown, uh, sorry, the last game before we initially went into lockdown was Millwall, I seem to remember, and we got absolutely thumped. So, yeah, 3-0, yeah. yeah you know what to expect from Millwall. They're not they're not going to blind you with science or he's not going to be ticky tacker Barcelona. Um, I think there was one point in the first half where they had a free kick on the halfway line and both the centre backs went up front and they just lumped it. And I quite enjoyed that because I'm a bit, I'm a bit old school and, and it, 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 you know, our three centre backs in the main coped with it. Okay. Um, so I enjoyed the game. I enjoyed what they brought to the table. It was exactly what I thought was going to happen. And I enjoyed our response. Um, some parts of it anyway. We struggled when Graben went off. I know we're gonna talk about this in a bit, Matt. Um we probably need to look at what we're gonna do as a team uh when grabbin's not when Graben's not in, in there. Um there are options other than maybe what we showed. I think a draw was the fair result. We played some half decent stuff. Um I wasn't surprised with the starting lineup. You know it was always going to be the same team because if it went Wrong, Steve could have said, "Well, look, you know, I kept the same team that did brilliantly well the week before at Huddersfield. Um, it didn't go wrong. We got a point. We've got to start somewhere. It's going to take a bit of time to sort of turn us around. I wasn't expecting us to, you know, play like we did maybe a few seasons ago. You know, fast, fluid attacking football. I think that will come in time. Um, but in general, I was, I was not surprised. I was pleasantly sort of enthused by it." I thought the reception that Cooper got, you know, it was never going to be a Stuart Pierce homecoming, of course. Um, but it was, um, you know, generally really, really positive. Um, and I think a draw was the right result. And I, I, I'm, I'm more interested to see. I think there's an international break coming up, Matt. Um, another one. We seem to have one every week. Um, so once he's had, once Steve's had a bit of time to work with the guys maybe trying to implement some of his own methods, I think he might see a bit of a shift from that point. I don't think you're ever going to see it on on, uh, on Saturday, but I was encouraged that we we came back and we held on for a point because, let's be honest, a couple of weeks ago, we would have lost that probably to a, a knockdown from a, from a header. Um, but, yeah, in general, Matt, fair result. I was quite enthused with what I saw, uh, and it's all about the next few weeks, I think, trying to get that Understanding of, of what Cooper's going to bring to the table. Hopefully, we, we might see a bit more sort of front foot football uh, rather than what we've kind of seen in, in the past. But yeah, I was, I was pretty happy. Matt,
1: good. We can end this a bit out. Can you hear my Hoover going off outside? No. Good. Okay, I'll get this edited out. The clean is here. <laughs> She's hoovering really loudly outside.
2: The cleaner's here. Cleaner. Yeah. 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 Dear
1: God. Actually, I might not edit this out because then you two can scoff at me. <laughs> um, we'll just crack on then. So Mikey talks there, Chip, about you know the atmosphere and the reception and everything. I mean, like we've touched on, Forest have had so many managers and Cooper's like the 19th, I think, since the Premier League era in the builds the game, fans are always like, oh, saying the right stuff, can he walk the walk, can he talk the talk? I mean, generally, do you think the club gets a bit jaded and fans get a bit tired of the turnover and it becomes hard to get remotivated for another era? I say era because era is a long time by default, but with Forest managers, it's not. I mean, do you think the club just gets a bit tired of it all?
2: I think a lot of supporters do, yeah, I think. But then the thing is, if, you know, if the worst happens and Cooper loses his first four games, those same fans who are tired of the change of manager will call for a change of manager. It's just the way football is these days. And it's, you know, it's one of the things I got really tired of is, you know, and I mentioned this on Twitter, probably um, I'm guessing two months ago when Hute was still in charge about whether, you know, who was the last manager that Forrest had who went through a difficult spell. And when we say difficult spell, it might be six matches without a win and came through the other side of it. You know, managed to turn it around in inverted commas because, you know, most managers go through a, a phase where they don't win for for six games, and it's not you know it's not just Forrest. I saw this morning um, when I woke up one of the headlines on the BBC Sport website was uh, how Mikel Arteta is um, is the new Arsene Wenger, and I, you know, he may turn out to be good luck to him. I don't know, I don't know him at all, but two or three weeks ago he was, you know, they were bottom of the table when he was for the chop and. You know, nobody's got any patience anymore, nobody has any 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 thought about the medium term, let alone the long term. And that's, you know, in the last couple of years, that that really kind of that got to me covering Forest and generally in, in football itself. You know, you know, give somebody a a chance. You know, if if Steve Cooper struggles this season, give him next season. Um, you know, and I, I can imagine that by Christmas, if Forest are still in the bottom three there'll be some supporters who are calling for him to go. Uh, it just it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And I just think, you know, the majority of fans realise that now. But I still think there's a section that, you know, if they lose a game, the manager has to go. And you don't get anywhere fast doing that.
1: Uh, which managers uh, do you think Forrest pulled the trigger on too soon? Or was there any that you thought that, you know, or it Actually, it was right to get rid of them. I mean, fans would say, and I would say, It was right to get rid of Houston. It was an absolute disaster yeah. thing. What about in your experience when you were here? Do you think, oh, they'd made a rick there? Any you would have stuck with?
2: A Driscoll. Um, to start with, because I thought they were really onto something there. Um, and that felt like the slow building of a club had started. Um, and, you know, everybody realised it was going to take time and then, bang, he was suddenly gone. Um, paradoxically there were other managers who six weeks in you thought mm, this isn't going to work Steve McLaren for example that, that just it, it didn't feel right um, and strangely uh, that felt the right thing that needed to happen because it just wasn't going to work now it might be I'm arguing against myself here it might be six months in that he'd suddenly pick up results but all the things you were hearing was uh, was just like no, this needs to change because it's, it's not, it's just not working. think uh, oh. quickly that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, who else? Uh, well, Karanka went, I think, too early, um, but there was obviously a breakdown in communication. There were, You know, think, there are things that happen off the pitch that, that you don't know about necessarily, or you don't know all the details about. And, um, you know, on the face of it, Forrest should have stuck with Karanka. But obviously, there was a breakdown in communications or breakdown in the relationship off the pitch, which seemed to make his position untenable by the end of it. But football-wise, you know, in what he was building and where Forrest were going, it felt like it was right to stick with him. Um, mm. there, there are quite a few I might have stuck with a bit bit longer. Um, uh, even the likes of Mark Warburton, somebody I didn't you know, massively get on with at all. but And I realised at the time, just after Christmas, he was they were really struggling forest but I might have just given him two or three weeks more there's, there's no patience to get through that spell of of dodgy results and I always think just I even thought with Hutton two or three more weeks um, this was around the time of you know if he loses the derby match he's going and at that time I'm thinking well I'd probably give him till the next international break because of his cv um you know, that suggests that he is a good manager and he, he knows what he's doing. He's got the experience to fall back on. Now, you know, you're obviously much closer to it than I am these days, but um, it felt like in the end it it, it wasn't going to work, so he had to go. But there, there have been quite a few where I've thought another two or three games, another two or three weeks, just, you know, just to see if it works. Um, it might not have done, but. For some of them, I, th- I felt they deserved that opportunity. Warburton was one, Karanka another.
1: What, what Chip has said there about O'Driscoll was interesting, Mikey, about the start of building a club. And I'm kind of hoping that that's where Forest are now with Cooper and Dane Murphy and, you know, joined up thinking finally. Cooper spoke about the academy and the importance of that. What was your take on Cooper's appointment? I mean, I don't think... I think you were more of a wilder man initially, but do you see the the logic and the long-term hope here, if anything's long-term with Forrest?
0: I, I do, yeah. I mean, I having had a bit of time to sort of digest it and, and, and understand the sort of thinking behind it, it does make a lot of sense. I think Chip has made a great point there. Uh, and, 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 you know, you, you touched on it, Matt, around um, uh, O'Driscoll. And I think we're all at that game when we beat Leeds, was it 4-2? And then they pulled the trigger with him one point outside, you know, the playoffs. I've never really understood that. And it does... Feel like there's sort of similar traits here. Um, you know, people talk about sort of chasing the golden ticket and getting into the Premier League, and I could kind of understand lack of patience at clubs if we were one of those yo-yo clubs. You know, something like a West Brom, for example. Uh, you, you know, that are up one season, then down, then up, then down. They know they can do it. They have a track record of doing it in the last twenty years. So it almost feels as if when they think it needs freshening up logic tells you that they've made correct decisions because it's kind of got them up the decisions they made maybe when they're in the premier League need, need looking at like big some people like that um but i could kind of understand that but with forest we've been out the top flight for over two decades so chopping and changing even now just feels bizarre we're not close to it at all in fact i think if you if you would poll any football fan not even forest fans and say what's Forest next realistic move is it up or down? It'd be interesting to see that because not even looking at the table, you know the last other than that one season under Sabri where we we found a formula to sort of hit teams on the counter attack even at home, we've pretty much struggled. You know we nearly went down under under Warburton that time. You know we really struggled last season. We're in the bottom three again this season. So. Is the next logical step for us down i don't know so it kind of all goes back to the thinking of what we've tried in the last 20 years hasn't worked so chippers is right we've got to we've got to stick with somebody we've got to understand a bit of end-to-end thinking get the right man in place and you touched on it there matt is it cooper i think it probably is you know because i think with all the people that were available and yes you are right. i was championing chris wilder because i think he is a man manager who gets the best out of the teams i loved watching shouldn't say there's been a Forest fan, I did enjoy, should I say, watching the Sheffield United team play uh, when they went up that season. And the first season in the Premier League, they took a lot of teams by surprise. It was quite innovative thinking with his overlapping centre-backs. Um, enjoyed that. And I thought he could have bought something similar to Forest. I'm not sure I'd ever want to see Figueredo overlapping, but you, you get what I'm saying. I'm sure he could have come up with something um, a bit innovative. But I guess if we're going to stick with somebody beyond the season, beyond two seasons, beyond three seasons either, it's got to be somebody that aligns with the thinking that underpins everything we're trying to do. So we've got a new CEO, we're trying to build a lot of young players, we're trying to be a bit more of a sustainable club. Um, I think somebody asked me the other day, what was the last player we we bought and then sold for a profit? And I was really struggling to think of it. I don't even know if I've got the answer. But that tells you everything you need to know. We can't keep relying on wonderful academy kits coming through and then selling them to fund what was an ineffective transfer strategy. And I think Dave Murphy and his team realised that. So if they want Steve Cooper and Steve Cooper's his man, you've got to you've got to support it. And I think the vast majority of I was going to say intelligent Forest fans—that's that's pretty harsh. I think the vast majority of people that kind of see beyond what they see ninety minutes on a football pitch will hopefully understand that this is part of, fingers crossed, some long-term thinking from Forrest. The first time in probably since O'Driscoll. So, yeah, I think he's the right man, Matt. I think you've got to trust him. I completely endorse what Chippers has said. If we're struggling around Christmas, there's no point going back to square one because it's not worked in 22, 23 years. So I think he should be here for the long term uh, and we all need to sort of get behind him, I think. Was it a Sombalonga Chippers? Last player for us sold for a
1: profit? Or Antonio? Are we going back? I was going to say
2: Antonio was was my guess. I can't think of anybody since then. Antonio, they bought for about a million, didn't they, and sold for six seven, memory yes. serves? Seven, Not yeah. many, though, is they? There's not many. No, there's not many. No, no. Um, hmm. And a Sambalonga, they bought for five and a bit hmm. and sold for 13 memory serves. Hmm. I mean, they've obviously been academy players that have... Um, moved on pretty much each each summer but obviously they've not bought them to start with i think it's a really interesting point that you know that i remember the antonio thing was like people were really upset about it but actually in a sense it shows a club is working in the sense that they've bought a player you know a million pound is still a lot of money but they've bought a player relatively cheap they've developed him they've made him a better player under good management under good motivation and they've sold him at a profit. You know, you look at Brentford. Brentford do that every... Well, maybe not anymore, but Brentford have done that every year. You think of the players that Brentford have sold for loads of money. Um, you Scott Hogan's, um, people like that, that, you know, you, you easily forget about. Players leave Brentford for a lot of money, extraordinary amount of money, a lot of the time. And many of them, that's it. They don't do much else. Because they're in that Brentford system, and they they fit the Brentford system, they catch the eyes of bigger clubs. They sell them for a load of money, and it just feeds the system. and I, I would imagine I haven't looked at it, but I would imagine Brentford make a a very handy profit every year.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean that's what Forest has to become, isn't it? I mean, you know, Brentford sold, yeah. like you say, Watkins, Ben Rama, players like that for twenty odd million quid, and Forest. You don't want to say you're no, a so development that's a club. For, um,
2: you know, most people wouldn't have heard of in Mepham that went to uh, Bournemouth for I think fifteen million pounds.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: I mean, it might have been twenty. You know, every year there was somebody who went and they just went, right, we know exactly how to replace it.
1: Yeah. And in the end you get to the Premier League, ideally, if you're Brentford, don't you? Yeah. now Brentford don't have yeah. to sell players. And if they do sell Ivan Tony, it's gonna to be for fifty million quid instead of absolutely. Three, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's the way for us to try to go, isn't it, Mikey? With Dane Murphy, you know, the policy of signing players under 26 now. It's, it, it makes sense. Fans might not like it because they don't want to be lower down the food chain, but that's the modern football food chain as it is, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think I think what we need to be sort of mindful of as well is not every uh, edition is going to work or hit the ground running. So I'll give you an example the this Paraguayan guy that I can't pronounce his name—is it a Jader or something that we've got? He could be the next biggest thing since Slice Bread. You don't know, or he could really struggle to settle in, and he could disappear like a lot of players disappeared. But again, like I said before, the thought process as you touched on there in that—that's what we need to be doing. You know, buying players for uh, that have a, a, a potentially a higher ceiling than what we'd had before. Uh, can we improve them? Have we got the right coach to improve? Um, players now i'd argue we probably have we maybe didn't a few weeks ago um and i think that's the thinking that needs to go on but this isn't just a, a a one or two month thing this isn't a one or two transfer window thing this this needs to go on continuously for a number of years until we sort of turn that tanker and we start going in the right direction and i think it's it's the right thing to do we need to cut our cloth accordingly understand the food chain which i think they do you know far brighter people than me were there, I'm sure. So um if if we can see it, I'm sure they can as well. Uh you know, we've got an owner that pumps in a ridiculous amount of money. Uh and we are in some ways lucky to have somebody like that. If you look what's going off up the road in A fifty two at the moment, um, that could be us. It isn't, thankfully. But there'll there'll come a time where um there'll come a time where you won't want to put all that money in. And want to see some returns on investment. So whether that is a more successful football team that is playing in the higher echelons of, of the country, or whether that's just a sustainable model, like Chippers was saying, you know, that, that does a relatively solid turnover, and you know isn't forced to sell their best young players all the time just to be able to sort of cut even. And I think that's where we need to go to. But this is, like I said, this is a long-term thing. This won't, this won't happen in in five minutes, and you might not see it on the pitch. For a while, yet either because players will need time to bed in and to try and understand what Cooper wants to do, as we all want <laughs> want to understand that as well. But I think it's an it's an exciting time for Forest. I think I'd rather us do this and build slowly and everybody buy into what we're trying to do as a football club that are, you know representing our city than to just sort of chuck the dice up in the air, hope it lands on double six, which is kind of what we've been doing for the last twenty years. Sometimes it lands on a six and a five and you get Lamucci that gets really close, or sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> the majority of the times it doesn't. So I'm I'm really enthused by what we're doing that I think.
1: One of the things you said right at the start was you actually enjoyed the game for the first time in two years and Cooper was a great pains, Mikey, to say on Thursday during his press conference about the style of football and the identity and how he wants to play. Uh, I think he's picked up or he's been briefed on the kind of misgivings about people around the side of play coming into the club. What was it like on Saturday? Did you sense some kind of plan and some kind of entertainment factor
0: coming in down the line? Uh, I don't want to be overly critical. I don't know. I think it was too early. And I think a lot of that was down to the opposition. You know, I mentioned at the start, five minutes gone, the lump in the centre-backs forward and chucking it in there. You have to deal with that. And, and it's that's tough. I think every time Ryan Leonard got a throw in down the right hand side near me, again, the same thing happened. Long throws into the box, Matt Smith was winning everything. So it, it took us a while just to try and get the ball on the floor and try and pass it. And when we did, Graben had a great chance to score, which was, you know, saved. And then obviously they take the lead and, and we come back. But it was just one of them games where you knew what it was going to be. It was going to be a battle. It was going to be hard. There were sort of five or 10 minute periods where, um, it became a bit of a basketball match, which I think kind of suited us because the ball was on the floor. Johnson was getting more of the ball, turning and running on the half turn. Every time it went stop-start, it suited Millwall because they take a breather. Their team is absolutely massive. I don't think there was a player under six foot three. um, And they, you know, a a bitty stop-start game really suited them. So I think it was a bit too early to tell for Cooper. I think you'll see more, I believe, of what he's trying to bring to the team when we play teams that are a little bit less uh, rugged, should I say. I think uh, Dave Putnam was on here a couple of weeks ago, Matt, and he, he was talking about um, Barnsley being an assault on the Sensors last season. And that's what Millwall were on Saturday. And I enjoyed it because I don't see that every week. And it's it's a bit old school. And I enjoyed the way we dealt with it in the main Um and the point was a fair result, but I think it's too early to tell, Matt. But you know, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to stick with him, give him time, international break, and then hopefully you'll see what he's trying to do. And whether he stays straight at the back, that's an interesting one, because our our, our squad would suggest that that might work with our two new sort of fresh young wing backs, and it gives us that extra defender in midfield uh, at the back. Sorry, um, to deal with you know crosses, whereas, you know, we were, we were shipping in goals earlier in the season. So I suspect he might stick with it for a little bit, the formation. Um, I know he sort of flipped between that and a back four at Swansea. Um, but again, once he gets to know the players, I'm sure he'll, uh, you know, stick to a sort of favoured formation. But I'd be tempted to stick with a back three because I think we've done all right, Matt.
1: It's interesting hearing him talk so much about an identity and a style of play. I mean... As you've seen, Forest in person more than I have at games in the last twenty years. But obviously, I've watched games as well. I'm Trying to think, how many Forest teams were uh, even likable? If that's the right word, I don't know. Enjoyable? It's not. You know, Forest seems to think they have this Forest way of playing, but I'm not really sure they ha- they have always been that good a team to watch. How many teams can you think of that you were you know you actually liked watching in your time?
2: Um, Paul Hart's team was the best team I saw in terms of results and um, the football they played Um, Billy Davis first time round was excellent at home really really good to watch at home but had its moments away from home where it wasn't afraid to mix it up and could be quite defensive away from home um, in that first spell successful in doing it but um, would do things away from home that you wouldn't necessarily want the Forest side to do particularly at home but away from home, they were resolute. They were gritty. Um, they showed nous to use a phrase. There was plenty of game management uh, away from home. But they were brilliant to watch at home. Fantastic to to watch at home. Um, I thought O'Driscoll's sides were were good to watch generally away from home. They were kind of nicely naive. They were a little bit open at times, but it was it was good to watch. Um, I think they've been you know they've been good sides to watch. There's just an expectation i think at home that forest don't defend for their lives necessarily that they they play on the front foot again to use another cliche but they they press high and they put opposition under pressure and they'll try and win two or three nil um i think that's the expectation you know some managers have come in and you thought well i'm not sure their football would suit forest um Gary Megson is one of those. Joe Kinnear was another one of those where you think, well, that's an odd appointment because that doesn't fit the style. and It's completely different to what had been happening before. If you remember, Joe Kinnear came in after Paul Hart. Now, they're just polar opposites in terms of the way they play the game. Um, uh, And then it it was Gary Megson afterwards. And that was very different in terms of his management style to Joe Kinnear, who was very laid back um, beforehand. So... Um, but in terms of football, they just Forest fans just want to see a team go for it, I think. Um, they don't like dour defensive football. And that was the criticism of, of Lamouche. even though he was winning games. You know, still got plenty of criticism of him for being dour and boring. And I was thinking, well, it might, it might be, you know, not overly attacking at the moment, but it is winning. Um, so be grateful for that. And as it turned out, um, I was kind of correct that because sooner or later that... that um became undermined and you know the spiral began
1: yeah gary burtles used to keep saying to me that they're lucky to be where they are and this isn't it's not going to last it was interesting i wasn't sure at the time but he was certainly proved right um mm. i mean do you think mikey cooper starts from quite an advantageous position in terms of entertainment because it was so devoid <laughs> under the hewton and to a league position as well <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, it, you know, Forest fans will be happy to see the ball pass on the floor 5 yards now, won't they? But well, it wasn't you
2: know, a controversial departure, was it? That you know, if you ask Forest fans, you tell me, but I would think that 85 90% were in favor of a change. Um, so it wasn't as though there's there's somebody to pine after that's gone. Um, you know, I don't think Forest fans are in that position. They, the major, the vast majority would think it was time to make a change. So it, therefore Cooper has, you know, if you compare that to say after Karanka had gone, where there wasn't that feeling of there needs to be a change, but there was a change. I think it's a completely different atmosphere and therefore Cooper starts in a much better place.
1: Mm. I think Cooper might be a bit like Billy Davis, Mikey, in that first spell, go for it at home, be resolute away from what I've heard about him.
0: I hope so. Um, yeah, I hope you're both right. I think um, I think you're right, Chippers. I, I was struggling to talk to anybody that thought that that was a wrong decision in terms of to making that managerial change a few weeks ago. Um And yes, I guess when you're starting from such a sort of low low ceiling, the only way is up. But, you know, never say things can't get worse because they can. But I think you're right, Matt. I think it's just the small things that might go a long way. So, you know, rather than whacking the ball down the channel, which we have been doing pretty much all season, trying to pass it into midfield, perhaps, trying to get it out wide, overlapping some of the stuff that I haven't seen, I saw a bit of on Saturday. So I think you're right, you know, and it it will take, like I said before, it's going to take a little bit of time, but I'm really hoping that uh, that we do play a bit more. As Chipper said, front foot football. I, I kind of hop back to a cup game, and I think it was the first time I came on here, Matt. It was after we got stuffed five-one at Swansea. You remember that, yeah? Oh, that was
1: disgraceful that performance. Yeah. yeah,
0: and I wasn't very happy, and I had a rant for ten minutes. Um, but you know what? It's kind of flipped now because that was Cooper's. I won't say reserve side. But you could see what he was trying to do. It filtered all the way through to his squad players. So the guys that came in, I think they made sort of six, seven, eight changes. They all still played in the same way. So crosses into the box. You know, I think we got the ball wide one point and there was literally one person in the box. They got it wide and there was five or six. So he was there for a couple of years. And I think it showed on Swansea sort of the way they play. Uh, Certainly at home, uh, keep keep the ball, possession, don't be afraid to, you know, get players in the box. I'd just like to see a bit of that, to be honest. Because But also Swansea,
2: Mikey, Swansea have played that way largely with, yeah. with some tinkering. They've played that way for fifteen years. You know, yeah. if you go right back to the Brendan Rogers era, um Paolo Sosa, other managers they've had, they've all all those managers or head coaches have had to come in to fit the Swansea system. And it's 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 what Forest haven't done. They've gone yeah. from chopped and changed from one methodology to the other and therefore you end up with different players that suit different st- the Swansea way has worked because they've had managers that have done the same thing who've bought players who all do the same thing who have a reserve
0: side that does exactly the same thing it's it's not rocket surgery it, it's not you're, you're absolutely right and you know whatever happens with with Cooper whether he's here for six months or six years I'd like to see that imprint on Forrest so when Cooper does leave and basically, yeah, all managers get sacked, don't they? Even the great ones. When he does leave, his imprint of what we're trying to do um, needs to be uh, sustained within Forest. So, like you said, mm-hmm. the next person needs to come in and, and, and do the same thing, rather than having a mismatch of, of sort of styles and, and ways of playing. So, I'm, I am I'm more positive than I was, Matt, because you know I was kind of jumping in wilder, but I get the thought process behind it. And if he's Dane's man. Um, I thought his his media comments the other week were interesting, Um, but in a positive way. I think the proof will be in the pudding. And I think when we watch uh, the team for the next couple of months, I I really, I would really like to think that we will play a bit more sort of progressive football, even if that's three at the back, because that doesn't have to be a defensive formation. I mean, you look at Sheffield United the other year, like I said, you know, some of the best teams in the world play that formation and then still are able to overload those attacking areas. So if that's what we're going to do, let's do it. So, yes, I'm positive. hope that's coming across. A bit more than the uh, 5-1 Monaco stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that they'll need to be successful, and pretty much any team needs to be successful, is a focal point, a number nine. And uh, unless you play a false nine and you're very, very good, which might be a suggestion for Forrest, but generally they need Graben or Taylor to do the business. I mean, Mikey Graben went off on Saturday and I think it's fair to say that the consensus was Taylor struggles again. Do you see trouble ahead there if Graben's out for a while?
0: Yeah, I, and I think um, I think this has been spoken about as well. One of the disappointments of the last transfer window was that we didn't strengthen in that area. I don't know much about Zande Silva. I, I believe he's more sort of a wide player that cuts inside rather than a an out-and-out sort of number nine. Um and the problem you've got here is is the same problem we had under Lamucci. You know, if Graben's not fit, what options do we have? So, you know, Lyle Taylor came in on Saturday and, and struggled. I think um, what I'd like to see Lyle do a little bit more of, if he's going to get given a chance of, of being in the team, if, if Graben's out for a sort of sustained period, um, rather than sort of pin himself up against the centre-backs, maybe try to run the channels a little bit, drop a bit deeper as Graben does. Graben's quite fluid in that way. He's he's quite comfortable as a number 10 too. Where I think Lyle does play as that target man. And because we're we're sort of trying to get our confidence back and maybe sitting more on the back foot than than we'd like to, um, he does get isolated. So there were a few moans and groans during the game, mainly from me (laughs) and a few people around us. I'm not sure that's the way forward if I'm honest. I think if if Graben's gonna be out, I think we we'd need to try and do something a little bit different. So I know they've been um trying Alex Martin in that sort of number ten position. And Brennan Johnson has played up front before. So I'm wondering whether certainly for I think the next game's Birmingham away, and their two centre backs, is it Harley Dean, is it Morrison, the other one? Absolute massive units. I'd I'd question why we'd need to play Uh, Taylor, for example, if Graben's out, um, because he struggled against, I think it was uh, Ballard and I can't remember who the centre-back was um, for Millwall, he struggled to win headers there and I don't think he's going to get much change at Birmingham, to be honest, so I'm wondering whether we could use that as an opportunity to try something a little bit different, try sort of more quicker, nimbler players, which would, in turn, you'd think encourage us to keep the ball on the floor a little bit more because we don't necessarily have that big focal point up front. Um, you're hoping that that grabbing's not out for a long period, if it's just a week or two. But again, you're in the same position where you've only got grabbing and I think that needs addressing in January. But this could be, and I prefer to be positive in times like this, this could be an opportunity for us to maybe try something different. And I think playing the three at the back gives us an opportunity to, to, to do that. Uh, to have somebody dropping a little bit deeper from the front gives us that extra insurance at the back. So I think that's the way I'd go, Matt. I think I'd try something a little bit different and just have Taylor maybe as that option, 10, 15 minutes to go if things really aren't working and we need to be a bit more direct.
1: Yeah, Birmingham play three at the back and they, they had two defenders out on Saturday. So yeah, I'd rather see maybe Johnson as a nine, as you say, and then two wingers around and do something a bit different. What did you make of Graben when you were here Chipper, he must have interviewed him a few times. I find him an interesting character psychologically. Mm. I always think he wants to be the man and likes the the, the pressure or the focus to be on him. What did you, What did you find when you interviewed him?
2: I quite liked him, actually. He was kind of quite thoughtful um, as a person. I think he has to be, and I think Artur Karan could recognise this and and work this. I think he he has to be the main man, if you like, um, um, in, in the team and, you know, Given his record um, before Forest and, and and also at Forest, well, I, I would imagine his record is pretty good in terms of goal scoring, uh, generally across his his Forest career. Um, I think he's earned the right to be to be certainly one of the main men, and he was certainly um, a main man under under Karanka. I always think in interviews he's got, I think he's quite bright, and I think he's got more to say. I think he he will be, um, perhaps when he worries less about what he does say. Um, And, you know, most players are like this. They don't want to upset the opposition or wind up anybody. But I think once he finishes his career, I think he'd be a really good pundit and and quite an intelligent pundit. And I think he seems to think about the game quite a bit. And um, I always feel he's got more to give in interviews than he he does give, um, which is probably a sign of, of his kind of intelligence that he can actually rein himself back a bit. Um, and not go down avenues that he doesn't want to in, in, in interviews post-match. But yeah, I, I I quite liked Lewis Grabber to talk to. He was, a as I say, an intelligent guy, thoughtful guy um, and, and wasn't necessarily one of those that, that came up with the, the answers that you would expect to hear.
1: Yeah, I think he's one of those players that needs an arm round his shoulder daily and being told you're brilliant yeah. and you're the man for us and probably not the other way, which is fine because I'd be the same that's
2: as well. It's yeah, the way you got me on the, on here, isn't it? So it Works <laughs> exactly if anyone tells me I'm <laughs> rubbish
1: or anything, it just breaks me. So, yeah, I don't blame Ramblin for that if that's the case. Um, another thing, and this was one you wanted to talk about, Mikey, around Forest and how they play. Obviously, the strikers are key and the wing backs are key. And if you're going to push the wing backs on, you need two central midfielders that are going offer some protection and some dominance for the ball. Forest didn't really have that against Millwall, did they? Is that is that a concern for your, of yours? Yeah, it
0: is. Dominance is a good word, actually. I think, um if we hop back to, and I know it was a different formation, hop back to say, uh times where we had big Sam Versailles in there with, uh, with Silver and Ben Watson. We used to bully a lot of teams, dominate, dominate the center of the park. Even if we didn't have the ball, you know, it was impenetrable. And I'd even hop back to say, Billy Davison era under, uh we had uh, Paul McKenna in there. And he used to just sort of hook the ball over his shoulder, five, 10 times a game. I didn't see that once. On Saturday, it was too, it was too nice. Um, I think Millwall had, I think it was Kifton Beld, and uh, Savile in there, and they just they just bullied them. If I'm being honest, there, there were t- there were times during the game where um, they were just being pushed around. And you know, Garner is a fantastic footballer, and Yates is useful as well. It's just if you're going to play two of them, certainly in this system, and you don't have a Sambersale with them, or you don't have a Ben Watson or a Paul McKenna there's times when they're going to get bullied. And I'm not just talking about Millwall, I'm certainly talking about away from home as well. So Birmingham game worries me, some of the characters they have in midfield. I think it's something we need to look at. You know, they are two essential, good, young, you know, players, certainly, you know, gone as a ball player, it's just getting that mix right. Um, I don't know what the answer is, certainly in the squad. I mean, a few people might be listening to this and say, you know, do we give Kafa a go in there? I'm not sure that's the answer, to be honest. I just think perhaps if we're going to play two midfield, is Garner and Yates a combination that can work successfully in you know the remaining sort of forty odd games? Uh, that does worry me a little bit. It's just a little bit lightweight because even when Paul McKenna was in there, you know, a few years ago, um, he had legs around him. You know, he had a, a Chris Cohen, Anderson players like that, that. That even when we played a four backed up to them. I I don't necessarily see that at Forest, although the backs have done fantastic. It's just an area of the pitch where it kept sort of breaking down for Forest and we were being not necessarily overrun by numbers, but just overrun by experience and know-how. And that would worry me a little bit. I guess one option could be, and i spoke about if Grabbins out a little bit and playing Johnson a bit deeper or Mighton a bit deeper and then making that a three in there, that's an option. But then again, that, that gives... That takes away from sort of that last end of the pitch. So, I'm not sure what the answer is. I'd just like to see in January as as a look at addressing that with some experience, um, somebody quite powerful in there that can take a game by the scruff of the neck and you know give Millwall, for example, a bit back when when they were sort of getting stuck into us. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's not a worry. It's just something which I think is is quite evident, especially when you play teams that are quite physical.
1: Mm, they've got a Jader, but I think a Jader's another garner. He looks like a ball sprayer rather than a, a a ball winner. There's so much emphasis on Yates to really come good. And I've a big proponent of his and a big fan of his, but I think he probably does need to start kicking on this season and really bossing games. What do you make of Yates, Chippers? He seems to, even yeah, when you were here, fans were dividing on him and it's ever more so the case now. He's another player who speaks well in interviews. What was your take on Ryan Yates while you were here?
2: Yeah. Tell me one manager. I don't know. How many has he played under? Six? Mm. I would think. Um, tell me one manager who's left him out for any spell.
1: Yeah. Well, there isn't one, is there?
2: No. So, in the view of six different managers who know more about the game than I do, and I would suggest most people, they always pick him. Now there must be a reason for that. You know, people players have come in and players have left, uh, some of them pretty quickly. Um but he generally plays. I mean he played forty games a season, I would I would estimate, yeah, suspended for a couple of three. Um every manager picks him. They know more about the game than I do, so I I, I go with that.
1: Mm, yeah, true, true. He's obviously trusted, isn't he? I mean, Darren Fletcher was on here saying that you could see when there was no crowds in that um all the instructions went through Yates. He seems like someone you you can rely on. You know what you're gonna get from him, don't you, Mike? And too many players Forrest have signed, they either you don't know what you're gonna get from them, or frankly, you don't they don't look like they care particularly. And I don't think Yates is in that bracket, is he?
0: No, absolutely not. No, I, I, I like Ryan Yates. I think he's he's a really good member of the squad. His attitude is fantastic by all accounts. Um it's a bit like say this generation signed Um Ben Osborne same thing went with him. Chip, as every manager picked him because he, from what he gave to to the team and the squad and his attitude, probably more than anything. Um,
2: how just for, think, how Forest done sits Osborne left. No, yeah,
0: that, that's, yeah exactly, exactly. Um, I do think though, back under sort of Lamucci, for example, um, Thiago Silva. He was he's a big miss, by the way. I'm, you know, i still can't get ever sort of selling him. Um, we used to make that a three in midfield, so they used to complement each other. Silver, Sal, um, Ryan Yates, Ben Watson, whoever. There used to be sort of three in there, and now there's sort of only two. And I just thought on Saturday it was they got bullied a little bit, but I still think there's a place for him. I just need to. Um, I'd like to see him try and find a, a solution to that. Maybe get him some help or some support. Um, but I agree with you, Matt, as well. I think is Yates 24 now? Have I just made that up. 20? Yeah, I
1: think so. 24 or 25.
0: <laughs> so he's not. He's not. 1920s, you know, this could be the season that he kicks on and hopefully he'll make me my words a little bit and, you know, be that dominant force in the centre of the park and allow Garner and, and Jada to be the sort of ball sprayers. And hopefully mm. I'm completely wrong.
1: Mm. He's 23, did him a disservice, just Googled him there. So he's got a bit more time. I suppose Tyrese Fawn is an interesting one. I had high hopes for him, but he seems to have drifted down as that kind of Sambasar rangy player. So we will see what happens with him. Um just wanted to finish before we come on to your YouTube channel, Chippers. Mikey, give us uh, and Chip, as your kind of hope and expectation for Forrest for the rest of the season now they've got a new manager in. Are you, uh, are you optimistic, Greg? Mitchell, of course, was optimistic about this season when he was on. But Mikey, how are you feeling?
0: I'm not Greg. <laughs> no. Um, but no, I, I, am, I am optimistic. I think um, the more I think about it, the more Cooper's appointment makes sense. And what I saw on Saturday were um, hopefully the start of being a little bit more um, aggressive at home and being a little bit more front foot football at home. Fingers crossed. So, but I think it's going to, you know, we're bottom three for a reason. It, it, we're not suddenly going to go on a on a massive run, I wouldn't have thought. So I think my expectations are in the next sort of eight to 10 games, get out of this position that we're in, fingers crossed, and then try to establish ourselves certainly at home. I think Chip has made a great point earlier, um, you know, they talk about what Forest fans want. I'd say probably what every sort of home fan wants is just teams to try and beat teams on their own patch. And I'd like to see a bit more of that, less maybe worrying about what the opposition are going to do and more about what we can do. So I think, I don't like sort of setting targets, but I think realistically, this squad on paper, he says, should be too good for where we are at the moment. So I'd like to see that transition onto the pitch, uh, more sort of progressive Football, more players in the box, on crosses, all that little sort of stuff. And it should then knit together over the course of the season. So I think realistically, if we can get to around that mid-table point and cheer a lot of fans up at home, put on some good performances, um, try and win some football games and you know, em- embed these new players that have, that have come um, during the last sort of transfer window, I'd like to see a bit more of that and also maybe try and keep hold of Johnson and Martin. Has Johnson signed his new contract yet, Matt? I know they've been talking no. about it for a while. No, so that no. worries me a little bit. So uh, just just progression, Matt. Just mid-table safety will suit me down to the ground. Mm. Do you think there's a good club waiting? Well, it's a
1: good club, obviously. But you know what I mean? A, a well, well-streamlined, well organised club waiting to break out of their chippers and give fans hope for the future?
2: I was thinking about what the ambition should be, because the ambition should be to stay up um, from where they are at the moment. But win some home games would be a start. I mean, how many how many home games have Forrest won since? And I don't know the answer to this question. Now, not that this has anything to do with it, but I left in February of 2020. It, I'd be surprised if Forrest had won more than five home games since then. Mm-hmm. Mikey, you know better than me, Matt. Um, yeah.
1: And it's who they're but, against, those wins at home as well. It's been, I mean, I covered well, Coventry. It
2: well, yeah. I mean, I'm not bothered. Uh, tell me, how many? How many have they won since? Since? Oh my God! I think
0: go? uh, QPR. I think they beat three uh, now. Yeah,
1: it probably str- would be four or five, wouldn't
0: it? Yeah, I'm struggling yeah. after that to be honest with you. There's not many. We could probably cancel not on one out.
2: There's none this season, obviously. Mm. Um, it tailed off massively the back end of last season. So win some home games because, you know, I, I watched the the highlights. Um, on YouTube, obviously, because I, I don't spend my time anywhere else these days. Um, but um, I watched the highlights on YouTube, and I thought, actually, it looks it looks packed. Uh, the atmosphere seemed really good; it seemed upbeat and positive. You know, that's what it should be like. You know, you should you should go to games at home, expecting to win, and obviously being disappointed if you don't. But you don't want to get into a situation where you don't expect to win your home games, which I think is where Forest got themselves to. And Forrest always been good at home, so that's what they need to do. They need to win some home games, get people back on back on side. And then, you know, away games aren't irrelevant, clearly, but it's what you do at home that matters.
1: Mm. Chipper's like a pro broadcaster that you are. You segue perfectly into YouTube, so why don't you tell us oh, did about- I Did
2: I bring it up? I didn't...
1: <laughs> We're looking sorry. at the clock and thought, I've got a bloody, bloody YouTube channel. <laughs> it's about
2: my new book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> tell us about your YouTube channel, then. I know Forest fans isn't... have been enjoying it. What, what are you hoping <laughs> to so tell? Weary there?
2: about it. <laughs> no, basically, I've been in. I've, I don't know if you know, but I've been in lockdown in Sydney for three months now because um, this bloody virus that won't go away. Uh, but hopefully, finally, it's going away. Um, and I kind of. I've never, never really looked at YouTube apart from you know once a week or something to see this that or the other and I just got really got into it and got got looking at stuff and um I don't want to go into too much detail but there were aeroplanes on there and I was kind of watching various aeroplane trips and people going around the world on planes and all sorts of geeky stuff like that and I suddenly thought I suddenly started looking at these videos and these um aviation geeks have got like a quarter of a million people following them on, on YouTube. And I started looking into it in various bits and pieces. You know, I started doing this blog last year. Um, that was an awful lot of work for not a great deal of rewards. So um, I thought, well, let's try something different. Well, I've got the time, I've got the ability. Um, it said, you know, if you wanted to start a YouTube channel, get into a niche, come up with a niche that, that you have expertise in. So I couldn't think of anything. Um, but then um, thought about forest and you know what I've done for my career, and I thought, well, if it if it works, great. If it doesn't, I'll close it down and we'll move on, and I'll have killed some time in lockdown, and that's kind of where we are at the moment, really. So, um, but it seems to have started really well. People seem quite infused by it. I've had some good guests on David Johnson. Um, it has been good value in the last week or so. Um, got some people lined up over the next few weeks, um, which I'm really Excited about actually people I've not spoken to for a, a little while, so um, I don't want to say too much because they're not in the can yet. But um, hopefully they will be over the, the next few days, and we'll roll those out over the over the coming weeks.
1: Yeah, don't do what I do on here and say, "Are we going to be joined by X Y and Z next week?" And you get a WhatsApp a couple of days later saying, "Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry." Then no, I've learned
2: my lesson. You see, I, I you know from trying to organise guests to come on the radio I, I, until they're you know in front of you, then don't advertise the fact that they're coming up. So I won't, I won't do that. But um, uh, there's uh, the one is in the can with um, Martin Fisher, who's um, match the day commentator, but used to commentate on forest years ago. So he's this week's guest and he was, I'll give you a a little bit of an exclusive there. He might not be too bothered, but there we are. Um, (laughs) uh, But he, um, as I say, commentates on match the day, but commentated on forest in Cluffy's time and Frank Clark's time. Um, He's a good guy. He's got loads of good stories about uh covering forest in in those days and how different it was so uh, that'll be out back end of this week so
1: um, what's the name of it the youtube channel sport chippers I hope. Imaginative,
2: that. Huh? <laughs> i'll drop it in the comments I'll drop it, in it the took comments, me ages didn't. to think of it matt you know what it's like
1: what are your plans for the future before we go obviously you want to you're a broadcaster you want to keep broadcasting is it just as commentate in australia and Whatever's yeah, i kind there of freelanced
2: now. around a bit. So I've done some um, commentary on A-League games over here on the telly, which is not something I'd ever done in the UK before. Um, and some W League, Women's League um, games over here as well for the ABC and Fox, which is um, equivalent to Sky. As you mentioned, did a commentary on the Test match, the Sydney Test match last year on the radio as well, which was uh, awesome, fantastic to do. Really, really enjoyed that. So, yeah along those those similar lines. Obviously it's it's difficult at the moment because there's there's not too much live sport around because it's all being hit by lockdowns at the moment. But um as I say hopefully that'll lift over the next month or so and um, and we'll move forward and get to do some more cricket and some football which will should start in November here. So yeah, that's the plan. It's Excellent. a very loose
1: plan. I'll listen out for you when I'm next watching a Sheffield Shield game.
2: What, <laughs> yes. Is it New South Wales? What state are you in? It is New South Wales. So very good. Glad Thank you've been you. doing your research. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> right, did a couple we'll of New South Wales games last year, which was It was good.
1: Good fun. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we'll leave it there for this week. Uh, thanks very much to Mikey. Hope you enjoyed that. Cheers. Absolute pleasure, Matt, as always. Good, 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 good. Chippers, thanks for joining us on the other side of the world. Uh, in fact, I haven't even asked what time it is. You can't, do an, uh, you can't talk to an Australian without asking what time it is, can you? What time is it?
2: 8pm, uh, and before you ask your next question, 23 degrees. <laughs> oh, man, it was
1: absolutely hammering it down here this morning. The sun's out now, but I had to run down the hill to school with the kids with the umbrella up. Absolute nightmare. The weather's turned, yeah. So you're not missing much there.
2: <laughs> yeah, the weather is not something I miss generally, but...
1: Yeah. No, I'm sure not. I'm sure not. Right, uh, we shall be back uh, probably on Thursday, but um, yeah, I haven't even planned an episode for that. So uh, we might be back on Thursday after the Birmingham game. Otherwise, we'll be back uh, this time next week. So do join us then. And, of course, do like and subscribe to the premier Nottingham Forest-related YouTube channel. <laughs> You've already got more subscribers than us, Chippers. And,
2: and yours, Matt, as well.
1: <laughs> You've already overtaken <laughs> us. <This> is outrageous. <laughs> right thanks very much everyone and cheers Cheers, thank you for listening to garibaldi red a nottingham forest podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode thanks for listening